Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Well, good morning, Centerpoint Church. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I am so excited to be here. Like Brian and Nicole said, my name is Bradley Hamilton, and I'm the student pastor here. And I have just been loving this series. I don't know about you, but last week we started a new series called Wish You Were Here. And this has been a big one for us because really what we're talking about in this series is the question that I think all of us have asked at some point, and it is, what does God wish for us? What does God wish for us? And we've kind of pulled back the curtain into one of the more difficult pieces of the Christian life, and that's that we don't always know where God has us. Every time we face a decision, whether it's you're graduating right now and you're looking at your next step, or maybe you're looking at a career move, or maybe you're looking at a relationship move, and you wish you could just pull God out of the sky and say, God, what would you have me do? I want to honor you. I don't want to make the wrong decision. I want to follow the path that you have for me. And so how do we figure out what God wants us to do? And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And last week, we started with really changing the question. Because I think the question isn't, what does God wish us to do? But the question is more, who does God wish us to become? And we started there because it's so much more important uh, what decisions are impacting our hearts. It's so much more important what's happening in our lives to us, to our souls, than whether or not we pick the red or the blue car. And so God cares deeply about your decisions, but he cares about you and who you are becoming. And so it's our current focus on God that will lead to our future direction. And as we start this week, I am so excited for this topic. Because for me personally, this is one of my favorite topics to speak on. It's one that has impacted me significantly. And I'm passionate about it because I think that no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what age you are, I've done ministry with students and adults alike, no matter where you are in life, I think that what we're going to talk about this morning is one of the greatest obstacles to you being where God wants you. It is this topic that derails so many of us from the life that God calls us to live. And so I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying for for me and for us, if we can lean in over to the next few moments into this topic, I think that for some, this will be a freeing morning for you. That it is not coincidence that you have logged on in your bedroom or in your living room or on your porch, but that God has set up a moment with you. And I think that his words are going to be so huge for you and I to live out this calling that he has for us. And I want to talk about this obstacle that's in all of us, and it's simply this. It's the voice of insecurity. When we go to take a risk and to fulfill our dreams and to live out the calling that God has for us, there is a voice that is in every single one of us, regardless of your age, of insecurity. This is the voice that says, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. What if this fails? 
what if I don't succeed? This voice of insecurity, I'd be willing to bet this has been in you maybe even since you were a little kid. Maybe the first time you were picked last at a kickball game. Maybe the first time you asked a girl out and she rejected you. These aren't mine. I'm just, you know, coming up with some fake examples. But maybe even since you were a little kid, this voice of insecurity has been in your heart. And I'd be willing to bet it's still there. In fact, it's probably shifted. It's probably changed. Maybe it's grown. But I'd be willing to bet that when God calls you to something big, when there is a decision up ahead in your life, you still have that kid voice inside of you that says, what if you're not good enough? What if you can't pull this off? Are you sure God is calling you to this? Because what if you can't do it? This voice of insecurity is in us so much that I would be willing to bet, and maybe you're not like this, maybe this was just me, but for a long time, this voice replayed so often in my mind that I didn't even realize it was my default. I didn't even realize every time God called me to something, my automatic voice, it had really just become what I thought was my voice because it just said, yeah, but you can't. Yeah, but that's not in you. Yeah, God has called other people to that, but you can't do this. And if we aren't careful, we have replayed this loop so often in our minds that it just becomes our default voice every time God calls us to something. And so if we're going to live out the the wishes that God has for us, if we're going to step into the will of God, if we allow this voice of insecurity to loop in our heads again and again, we will never end up where God has us. So I want to talk about the voice of insecurity. Solomon says this, and he's one of the wisest men of all time. He was a historical figure, also a figure very important to our faith, as he wrote the book of Proverbs to get out some of this wisdom to his younger sons. And here's what he says. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. In other words, he's saying there is a direct correlation between the loop that's playing in your mind your heart and what you feed yourself and what you become and what you do. And so for many of us, we have this negative self-talk, this voice of insecurity, and it's the only thing we listen to. And then we wonder why year after year, we have these dreams for our life. God has these desires for us, but we can't seem to take ground on them. It's because we're letting the voice of insecurity be the loudest voice that we listen to. And so maybe you've already seen this happen. Maybe week one, maybe just last week, we talked about God having desires and purposes for you. And as the week went on, you started to realize, yeah, I felt that on Sunday and I was really excited, but maybe that's not for me. Maybe I haven't taken that step yet. And maybe you're watching and God started something in you last week and you find yourself this week sort of on the fence of whether or not you need to take the step. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to look at the book of Judges and a guy named Gideon. And in his story, what we're going to see is three questions that I want you to ask when this voice of insecurity hits. Three very simple, three very practical questions. That as that voice begins to take over, next time you hear it, maybe that's even today, you're going to hear this negative voice that says, you can't do it, you're not enough, you'll never pull this off. And I want you to ask these three questions. Like I said, we're going to start in the book of Judges of a guy named Gideon. 
And to give you some background into what's happening in this scene in the book of Judges, it's an Old Testament book, so it's kind of the left side of your Bible. But what's happening in this story is that God's people, the Israelites who had been pursuing after him, they had been taken into slavery by Egypt. They had been released from slavery, and they had made their journey into this promised land. You've probably heard this language, even if you haven't grown up in church. And this promised land that God had given them so they could settle there, live there, and be his people. But now around this promised land, there were other groups of people, other nations that had settled. And one of these were the Midianites. And the Midianites were warrior people. That's what they were known as. And now the Israelites, they were mostly farmers. So they took care of crops, and that was kind of what what labeled them as as a group of farmers. And you have the Midianites, these warrior people. And so what the Midianites got really used to is realizing, hey, we can overtake the Israelites And so for seven years, what began to happen is every time they needed something, every time they they wanted a new crop or they needed some resources, they would simply swoop in, take over for a little while, plunder the people, take everything they wanted and head back. And they tormented the Israelites for seven years. In fact, they were such a a warrior people group that they had over 135,000 soldiers. And here are the Israelites with about 300 And so year after year, this took place where the Midianites just came and took what they wanted from the Israelites. And maybe, I would just imagine, if you were the Israelites, you would be discouraged. You would know that this is just the same old story over and over again. There is nothing we can do about it. We're just going to let it happen. And so this pattern of discouragement began to take over the Israelites. And probably as well, a guy named Gideon. And Gideon was one of these leaders that, He's seen this happen year after year. He knows the story. And God shows up to Gideon. And you can read this in the book of Judges. And as he shows up, he says, Gideon, things are about to change. Things are about to be different. I am going to lead the Israel people to defeat the Midianites, end this torment, and you're going to be the one to do it. This amazing call by God, and I can just imagine it. If you had gotten this call from God that so many of us wish we would have, that God would step down and call us to something, and what would be his response? Well, here's what he says in Judges 6, verse 15. Gideon said to him, me, my master? How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the runt of the litter. You hear his voice of insecurity? God calls him to something. God picks him out of the line and gives him a calling and a will for his life. And his first reaction isn't to go and do it. His first reaction isn't to jump up and get ready. His first reaction, like many of ours, is this voice of insecurity that says, but me? How am I supposed to do that? I'm, I love how specific. Did you catch how specific this language was? He said, I am the weakest of my clan. I, my people, they aren't strong, and I'm the weakest. What I think is so amazing about how specific this is, is I don't think this is the first time he's heard that. I think this came from somewhere, and here's the first question. We have to ask our negative voices as soon as they hit. The question that we have to ask first is, who said that to me? Who said that to me? I can imagine Gideon growing up and being told, oh, your family, they're the worst. They're the weakest. They can't do anything. You will never amount to nothing. And anyone with older siblings, 
I feel like he had heard this, you're the runt of the litter before now. I think that someone else had looked at him and said, not only is your family weak, not only are you nothing, but Gideon had been told all his life that you're the smallest and the weakest of your family, so you cannot do anything big that God's calling you to. And too often we have these voices that automatically play when we are called to something big, and the crazy thing is, they might have come from someone years ago. They might have come from someone in middle school. They might have come from a relationship or someone that hurt you. They might have come from a failure or a mistake that you've made. But all of these voices, we have to stop and figure out where are you coming from? Because maybe these voices of shame, these voices of guilt, these voices that you can't, they're not God's. And they might be someone that you're giving power to that doesn't need to have that power in your life. The author, Paul who many of you know is one of the greatest church heroes of all time because he wrote most of our New Testament, the right half of our Bible. And we said this last week, but his, his original mission started off ending the way of Jesus. He was against every, everything that uh, was about the Christian movement, and so he wanted to put an end to that. But he ended up meeting Jesus after Jesus died, which would make any of us kind of rethink our life choices. And he begins to pursue after a Christian life and proclaim that Jesus is who he said he was. He did raise from the dead. I've seen him. And then he becomes the Paul that you and I know today. But think about the guilt and the shame that Paul would have carried. Here is a guy who is called to one of the biggest callings we ever see in scripture to take the movement of Jesus into all of the world to step back into the same places that he was leading that was ending the church movement and help them to grow it. And yet he had a past of murdering families and of ending people's lives who would claim the name of Jesus. And so if there was anyone who had a big calling but knew a past voice, it was Paul. And so he writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, we have to demolish arguments and every pretension that would set itself up against the knowledge of God. And then he says, we must take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We have to take captive a thought. Now, back in the day when you used to be able to fly and travel places, um, I don't know if you've had any run-ins with the TSA. I always seem to pack my spray sunscreen, and so I've had several times to be stopped by the TSA. But one of the the weirdest ones for me is a friend of mine and I uh, were heading over to Israel. And uh, we got stopped in Paris, which was the last stop before you take the plane into Israel. And as we get to the Paris airport, they begin to, we walk up, they have to do a special security check for us. And we don't speak the language, so we're really not sure what's going on. And they separate the two of us. And then they begin to ask us questions about the other one. Now, here's what's funny. You think you're friends with someone until a TSA agent is asking you questions about this other person. And so they start asking us, hey, how did you meet? I'm like, gosh, I don't, uh, I mean, school, I think. Like, and they're like, you think? What does that mean? And they begin to interrogate us on all of these questions. How long have you known the other person? Things that I'm like, I hope he says the same thing that I do. Well, I don't know if we got the answers right. Apparently we didn't because they then proceed to walk us out of the airport onto the tarmac. And, and as we're walking down the tarmac, we see a little hut in the middle of what looked like all the planes. And we go into this hut and they take our bags And one by one, I'm not exaggerating, they take every individual item and scan it. So they take our toothbrush and scan it. They take a pair of underwear and scan it. They take a shoe and scan it. And they go through our entire bags while asking us questions 
about what we want to do in Israel, where we came from, what kind of school we went to. They want to know everything about our past and everything about what we plan to do. Eventually, they get all of our stuff in this big pile, and they just push it back, and they say, hey, your plane's leaving. You're good to go. And so we have to shove everything back in. And this is like a movie. I kind of felt like an action star. I'm not going to lie. We, we pack up our bag, and we're running on the tarmac as the plane's, like, going. And we have to run up the stairs. Everyone thinks that we're, like, real sketchy as we get on the plane. But this actually made me feel really safe. Because what I realized is that the TSA is doing such an amazing job at figuring out, not just letting you come into the country, not just letting you do what you want, but stopping you and figuring out what were your intentions and where were you coming from. And what Paul is saying here is that, hey, this is what we have to do, Christ follower. Listen, this is what you have to do with your thoughts. You cannot just let every thought that wants to come into your mind, into your life, into your heart. If we want to live the kind of life that God has for us, we have to become good at stopping our thoughts, taking them captive, and asking them questions. We need to figure out where did you come from? Who sent this thought into my life? And what are your intentions? Are you going to help me get to where God wants me to be? Are you going to help me become the person God wants me to become? Or are you going to damage what God wants to do in my life? And if you came from somewhere that shouldn't have power, and if you are up to something that is not going to make me into the man, the woman that God wants me to be, then you have got to go. We have to be the TSA of our minds and to stop the thoughts that come by and figure out where are you coming from and where are you going. This next point is so important because even though Gideon plays this loop of insecurity, here's what God repeats to him. In Judges 6, 12, Gideon's already told God why he can't do it. And God says, the angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. So Gideon just says, listen, my people are weak. I'm the weakest. I can't do this. And God turns to him and says, no, the truth is I am with you and you are a mighty warrior. What I love about this word warrior is that this was the Midianites were known for, being a warrior people. And here's Gideon saying, I'm a farmer. I'm weak. I matter nothing. And he says, no, you are a warrior. The second question we need to ask when these thoughts hit first, yes, is who said that to me? But then second, we need to ask, what does God say to me? Who does God say that I am? And so often, don't we do the same thing as Gideon? We challenge the names that God calls us. God calls us wanted and we go, yeah, but no one could really want me. God calls us forgiven and we say, yeah, but God, you don't understand what I did. God calls us made in his image, and then we say, yeah, but I'm too fat, or I'm too thin, or I'm too tall, or I'm too short. And too often we challenge the name that God has given you and me. You know the only names that you should respond to are the ones that God calls you? The only names that you should be responding to are the ones that God has spoken over your life because too often we are listening to names that came from other places and it is not the truth of who you are. And you know if you insult the product, you're insulting the creator? When you insult the product, you are always insulting the creator. If I came up to you and was like, listen, I like you a lot, man. You're awesome, you're great, you're a great role model for me. I wanna follow after you, but dude, I hate your kid. Right, I just see your little kid, I just, I can't stand him. You would be so offended in this moment, you'd be like, thanks for the compliment, but we're still not good. 
Because by insulting your product, I am insulting the creator. And too many of us are walking around, and, and yes, this applies to how we treat other people who are made in his image, that we don't love others and we want to criticize them and we say, God, I love you, but I don't love them. And that's an issue with God because you're insulting the product. But it's also true for you and me. That oftentimes the ones we insult most are ourselves. That God looks at you and he is so amazed at who you are. He is so proud of his creation that you are his workmanship. And yet we want to look back at him and say, yeah, but I messed up. Yeah, but I don't have this together. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And he is just wishing and calling out to you today. Would you respond to the names that he is calling you and stop insulting what he has made because he is in love with what he has made? Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you're always gonna be perfect or that flaws don't exist. In fact, if if you're watching and you're kind of new to this church thing or Jesus, this is why we celebrate and come around this movement of Jesus so much. Is because the, the core of the gospel is that we do have flaws, that we are broken, we are messed up, we cannot do it on our own, but that God has called us by a new name, that he sent his son to trade places with us, that we don't have to carry this label of our brokenness anymore, but that we can step into the freedom that Jesus has for us, that we can be forgiven and made new and enter into a relationship with him, and that becomes our new name. And so I want you to know if you're watching, that is available to you. That our message isn't don't be insecure because you're perfect. It's not. It's that we are so broken and so messed up. But just like God told Gideon, God is with you and you have a new name. The only names we should respond to are those that God has called us. And so here's what we do. Now that we know where this voice came from and we know what God says, we have to replace that voice. We have to replace the lie in our thoughts with the truth of what God says. This is why we do everything that we do here at Centerpoint. This is why every Sunday we want to sing songs that are out of God's word to remind ourselves of the truth of what God says. It's why we want to take time to to preach out of his word and and to hear what he has to say about us so that throughout the week we can remember what God says. This is also why we have groups that we want to say, hey, get around some other people throughout the week and surround yourself with people who are speaking truth into our lives. And some of us are surrounding ourselves with people who are only encouraging our negative thoughts. We have some toxic friends in our lives that are helping that voice of negativity and, and some of the ones that are preaching at us insecurity. And we need some people circling around us who say, no, that's not who God says you are. No, here is the truth of who you are. Here is what God says about you. And we have to surround ourselves and saturate ourselves in truth because here's the truth. It's not gonna happen overnight. For some of us, we have been preaching this voice of negativity to ourselves for so long that we almost don't know any different. And it's gonna take some time to resaturate ourselves with truth and what God says. And so we need to be surrounding ourselves with people and getting in a group and making sure that we are filling our life with truth. Maybe for you, this means that every morning you need to wake up and you need to spend some time in his word. You need to throw on a worship song because too often the first voice we look at is social media. The first voice we look at is what we don't have together on Instagram. The first voice we see is what we're not doing right on Facebook. 
The first voice we see is how Pinterest looks so perfect and our life is a mess. And what if the first voice that we listened to was God saying, you matter, you are redeemed, you are made new, you are a new creation, I have plans and purposes for you today. And what if you live that day with that voice guiding you other than the voice of comparison or insecurity? And we have got to begin saturating ourselves in the truth of what God says about you and me. And then God says one last thing to Gideon. And I love this because it sets up the third question that we have to ask every voice. It says, God faced him directly. And he said, go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I sent you? He says, Gideon, I know you're insecure I know you're repeating that loop of how you can't, but I just want you to go. I want you to trust that you already have what you need, and I want you to take the difficult step and go do it. The first time I went skydiving, I didn't actually know I was going. I had a friend who had surprised me for a birthday, and we drove up onto the property, and all of a sudden, I see people falling out of planes. And he says, hey, this is what we're doing today. And... I died inside. <laughs> There's nothing but cold. I didn't know what was going on. And it happened so quick. We walk inside. This person walks up, asks me a few questions. They make me sign a waiver that says, like, if I lose my head, I won't sue. And then they throw the suit on you. And then they start giving you all of these reasons why you will be safe. And they talk to me about the extra backpack and the different clips and how much weight everything can support. And if this happens, we'll do this. If this happens, we'll do this. And they're giving me the whole spiel. And I'm not really hearing any of it. Because I'm watching people fall from the sky, and we're going in like five minutes. And so they strap me up, and, and they say, are you good? And I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess so. And we walk outside, and what they put us in was not really a plane so much as it was like a Coke can. And we climb up these stairs, and they pack like six of us into this thing. You couldn't do this now with social distancing. But they pack like six of us into this thing, and we're all pressed up against each other. The plane is like the size of my body, and all of a sudden we take off. And it's this moment where I'm kind of thinking, there's not a going back. Like, I've bought a ticket up, and so that's the only way to get down. But as I'm like, okay, we got it. I'm just praying. I'm like, surely everything's fine. I'm still kind of processing that this is happening. And as we get higher and higher and higher, the ground begins to disappear. The buildings begin to disappear. All I see are clouds. And then they open the door. And by door, I mean the entire side of the Coke can. And there is just nothing under us. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm like six people back, so I have time before we go. And they just go, jump, 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 me. And what they do, if you've ever been skydiving and you've done tandem, they don't let you jump or stand up because you can't in this Coke can. What they do is they actually put you on your knees and they hold you and lean you over the plane. So I am now completely supported by nothing but this guy who I just met 30 seconds ago behind me. And below me is nothing. He, look, he leans in my ear and he says, all right, you know what you have everything to do. You ready? And so me being a brave man of God that I am, I said, no, no, 
Like, I don't care about all of your safety speeches. That's the ground, and we're about to jump out of a plane. And so he was really gracious and loving, and he said, too bad, and we jumped. In that moment, I I realized something that's true about a lot of things in life. It's one thing to know. It's another to do. It's one thing to know that, yes, I can trust God. He has plans for my life. I can step out. He's given me a new identity. And if you've tried this in your life, it is a whole other thing to actually take the step, to actually take the jump, and to take God up on what he says. And in this moment, God looks at Gideon, and he says, listen, Gideon, you have to understand, you have what it takes. I have given you what it takes for this. It's not enough just to trust me. I need you, Gideon, to go in the strength that you have been given. The third question we have to ask is, what next step do I need to take? We can replace our lives with the truth all day long, but God is saying at some point, my child, my loved creation, would you act in it? Would you not just believe that you are worthy of love, but will you step out and act in that every day? Will you not just believe that God is with you, but will you step out with God by your side? I think that there are too many steps that we look at and we have this hesitancy because we're letting this voice of insecurity speak so loudly in us. And what if, what if we just trusted what God said? What if we just took the jump? Listen, you know that you have exactly what it takes for exactly where God's called you. He wasn't surprised. He called Gideon, hey, Gideon, I need you to lead this movement. And Gideon was like, I'm weak. And he was like, oh, I totally forgot. Sorry, I didn't see how small you were. I'm so high up here and you're so little. So I just, yeah, now it makes sense. Leave you alone. Next person. He said, Gideon, I have called you. I have sent you. I'm in control of this whole thing. I know what I'm doing. I have given you exactly what you need for the, exactly the calling that's in front of you. And for so many of us, he is reaching through a screen today to tell you that that is your story. That step of faith that you're not sure if you're ready for, God has given you exactly what you need for it. That career move that you're not sure when you were supposed to do it, you know God's calling you to, and you've gone back and forth. He has given you exactly what you need for that the ability to step into a community group to get healing, to defeat an addiction. God has given you all of it. He wouldn't call you to it if he hadn't already equipped you for it. And so we have to be willing to take that jump. I want to close here, but here's what I love. If you turn your page, we've been in chapter six. In chapter seven, do you see the title? I'm not going to read any of the chapter. Just the title alone says this. Gideon defeats the Midianites. One chapter. The thing that he told God, I can't do that. The thing that he told God, yes, send someone else. It can't be me. God said, you just wait in one chapter. That will be your title. I just want to ask, what is the title of your next chapter? What is the thing that God has labeled for your next chapter? Fit your own name in there. Maybe God is saying your next chapter is that I defeat addiction. 
Maybe your next chapter is I have fixed a broken relationship. Maybe your next chapter is I finally have found healing. This next chapter is possible for you, but can I just plead with you? Do not quit before your next chapter. Do not quit because of a voice that came from when you were a kid from someone who does not deserve power in your life. Would you take the jump and act on truth and write the chapter that's next that God wants you to have? That's my prayer for you this morning. That's God's prayer for you. I just wanna close by praying for you. Wherever you sit, again, this is not coincidence that God is speaking to you in this moment. That is not something we can manufacture. God is speaking to you loudly and clearly. And I just wanna celebrate with you. I wanna pray over you because I believe that there are some people who are about to take some jumps into the truth of who God has for them. Let me pray. God, I thank you for labeling us loved, for labeling us redeemed, from labeling us made new. I pray for those right now who are making that decision to begin a relationship with you. God, I pray for so many of us who are struggling to live in those labels. We have been letting labels that should not define us and do not define us control us for way too long. God, I pray that this morning you would break some people free from that. This morning, you would help us begin to write a next chapter to trust the truth of who you say that we are, to surround ourselves with others who are speaking truth into our life. God's in this moment, we trust you. And we jump. That's your name that I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.